Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 54. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adamar Harrison. And as always, I am thanking you for tuning in to my show today. And now for something completely different. That's right. Today, we've got something very different on the podcast. But as always, it's very cool and very interesting. Today, we're joined by Russell Beattie, who is a creative director from Australia. He's worked in film, uh, in print, and in live productions. And today, we're going to be talking to him about his flagship production, which is called The Empire Strips Back, which is a touring Star Wars parody burlesque show. And I'll admit, I, I don't know a whole lot about burlesque, but I have to say it completely caught me by surprise. The idea was pitched to me by their PR team, and I thought, well, this will be an interesting story. So I met with Russell, as well as two cast members, the beautiful Asher Bowen Saunders, who plays Princess Leia, as well as a few other characters, and Nevin Connolly, who plays Han Solo, and a few other characters. And in the interview, you get a taste of how fun, talented, creative, and hardworking, and just how nice these people are. And it kind of gives you a little taste of what the show is like, takes you behind the scenes a little bit. And uh, I got to stick around for the show after, and I have to say I was very pleasantly surprised. Again, I didn't know really what to expect, uh, which I think is what most people, they don't know what to expect when they go in, and then they leave completely blown away. The Empire Strips Back is highly, highly entertaining. It's professional. It's very well directed, very well produced. It's not gratuitous. Uh, It's just very, very fun. So I'm very excited and interested to hear how you guys enjoy this interview, which we did at the venue. The Empire Strips Back was in Toronto at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre a few weeks ago. If you do enjoy the interview and you're curious to check out the show yourself, I think the current tour is over and they're heading to Europe next, but I'm sure they'll be back again. And you can find out more information on their website, which is empirestripsback.com. I also did some promotional photography for the show. As many of you might know, I'm a professional concert photographer, so this kind of went a little bit, it's kind of similar. Those photos will eventually be available on the Adamantium blog. I haven't had a chance to edit them yet, but they'll be up there at some point. And you can check out the blog anytime, which is theadamantium.tumblr.com, or there is a link directly from the website, which is theadamantium.com. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do us the favor of hitting that subscribe button. Leave us a rating and a review. You can also subscribe on Spotify. Uh, We're also available on Google Play Music, Stitcher, and basically wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium Podcast on social media. We're available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find us just by searching the Adamantium. So let's all learn a little bit about burlesque, uh, or maybe you know about burlesque already and you're a fan of Russell's, and you want to hear what he has to say. So let's introduce you to Russell, Asher, and Nevin right here on episode number 54 of the Adamantium Podcast, and have an absolutely fantastic week, everyone. Here we go. We're here at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre on the set of The Empire Strips Back, and we've got Russell and Ash, Asha, Asher, 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 <laughs> and Nevin. 
All right. Thank you guys very much for being here, first of all. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, good, good day. And I was, as I was saying right before, it's a little bit different from what we normally have on the show. Um, so maybe how we started off for our listeners, um, because, you know, as soon as you do any kind of research, you can see that this show, uh, it's more. It's much, much more than just, a, you know, a Star Wars spoof, you know. So why don't we start off with how you guys would describe the show to the listeners? Yeah, so um, for me, it's... I kind of break it down to what the audience audience will experience. I try not to go too much into the show itself, mm-hmm. but it is a Star Wars themed burlesque show. Which, uh, if you know what burlesque is, it's um, mostly got a reputation of being about striptease. But uh, true burlesque is a balance of striptease and dance and circus and comedy and music. And it's you know burlesque is an umbrella term to kind of tie all that together. Um, and we're, from an audience perspective, I kind of the easiest way I just describe is just two and a half hours of escapism entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not trying to change the world through the show; it's just trying to give everyone two hours of fun. Is that how would you, and you guys would you? So sorry to we maybe didn't introduce you. Russell is the creator of the show, and Asher and Nevin are. Our uh, performers, yeah, mm. company members. Yeah. So, how do you guys, when you guys tell your friends about it and stuff, how do you guys describe it to them? Um, Russell put it really well, and um, the umbrella term of burlesque really can't explain um, the diversity of performance that we have because we have performers in our cast from all different demographics, um, from like trained ballet and contemporary dance to like raw like. Brazilian dance and hip-hop and like all sorts of things belly dance so um, it's really more about what each artist can bring to the characters and um, yeah escapism is kind of perfect good yeah. way to put it so can you tell us what characters you play I play um, Princess Leia and a Twi'lek and oh. a Stormtrooper okay mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah I play Han Solo the Emperor Bib Fortuna and uh, General Admiral Akbar. Okay. Know. Yeah. My experience with the show, um, I think, surprises, like, that was what stood, stood out to me. I was a big fan of the show and I went to see it before I was involved in it. Okay. okay. Um, which is really cool to see it and then be doing it the next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember watching it and it was just really surprising, which is um, hard to find in Star Wars because the fans know Star Wars so well so to be surprised by something Star Wars related is quite special okay yeah and also the production value I remember was something that stood out to me because you've seen a lot of Star Wars costumes out in the world and there's a lot of people doing bits of Star Wars but I didn't expect to see so much attention to detail which is what Russell is all about so I mean and and so when did you first see the show I saw the show 2000 14 and okay. I joined uh, did my first show April 2015 four years ago okay and so I think that I read that the show first started around 2011 yeah it started in 2011 it's okay. a very small intimate show okay made for about 100 people um, and it was just meant to be a gag like a joke right um, theme we are just going to do one night and then move on okay but that one night turned into three, and that three nights turned into a week, and then that week turned into two weeks, and it just snowballed. Then it and started then touring, and then we just said, "Okay, if we're going to do this, we need to kind of go crazy." And we, um, yeah, we kind of rebuilt the show in 
what it more resembles now, which is a more of a theatre show. Okay. Um, and it's just been growing ever since with audiences, uh, the quality, and just the scope of the show. So tell us, what was that original show like? Um, <laughs> it was like it's a fun show, yeah. but a lot of it was because it was in small venues. Like right. you get away with a lot more in a small venue because the energy is so immediate. Right. Um, subtle things and spectacles easy to create in a small venue because no one's right. expecting it. When you jump to a big stage, it's a lot harder to do that. Um, so that particular show, I created most of the costumes myself out of like toys and old plumbing materials. Oh wow! And stuff okay. like that. Um, I, I was performing in the show as well. Um, you know, it was it was one of those things that just kind of you know we didn't we were running on an oily rag. Okay. Kind of putting it on, but um, it taught us a lot and. The show itself hasn't changed from an integrity point of view. We've always put on the best version of the show that our skill set could kind right. of do. But as that grew, we reinvested in the show with time, energy, and money. So and I think I've heard that there's even there's even been actual Star Wars <laughs> designers or who have worked on Yeah, the so show. we had a lot of people who worked on Star Wars films come and help us build our things like R2-D2 and wow. you know, our um, C-3PO and our Chewie costume and everything. They're all like the guys who made our Chewie costume um, – won an Academy Award for the makeup on Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, you know? right. So yeah, we're, yeah. Getting, we're getting top-notch guys to come yeah. in to help us bring this stuff to life. Did you have to adapt the show at all for a North American audience? or Surprisingly, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it goes down better here than it does at home. Okay. Yeah, it's quite surprising. because Sometimes you find North American audiences are a little more sensitive. or That's what everyone kept telling me. Yeah. But I think the people who... Are gonna go to a Star Wars burlesque show are expecting you know. right, and our show is not gratuitous at all. No, right. It's just people. The pe- the only negative things we ever have about the show are people who haven't seen it. Right. Um, if you you can look online, search the hashtags and whatnot, you'll find almost universal praise for the show. Mm-hmm. It's because it's a show made by fans for fans. And okay. I would not put anything on stage where I think kind of betrays the um, the kind of the love for Star Wars. Right. Yeah, but in saying that, we don't put, we put a show together what kind of can work for people who've never seen the films because we have a lot of people come to the show who don't, have never, never seen, seen Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, so we've had okay. to kind of make a show that works on its own as well. Mm-hmm. Not just kind of lean solely on Star Wars. I gotcha, I gotcha. Have you ever, do you ever get any, you know, real Star Wars fanatics who come and yep. pick point you yeah. know the, the inaccuracies of something or it's quite funny I always make sure the cast watch the films before we go okay. to because you do get people along and they well Star Wars is like one of the most like probably if not the biggest the, most, the yeah. biggest pop culture entity in the world yeah um, and they'll question like what kind of lightsaber did you use like what kind of brand and all that right. kind of stuff and everything but you know the best thing about it being a burlesque show is that they do lower their standards a little bit because they they're not expecting the quality right. we bring, and when they, we do bring it, I think they're, they're just shocked, surprised. Yeah, mm. it's very you know we probably have the only rideable tonton in the world, right? Right. You know, and things that only existed as small models or claymation, okay. we kind of put on stage in full size. Have you ever gotten a, a letter from Disney or anything? <laughs> uh, all I can say to that is why I'm not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm in any way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, they're yeah. pretty they're pretty cool about it, to tell you the truth. Um, best thing is you just have to be in your legal rights of parody law. And mm. we are. And we only go to countries where they have modern parody laws and fair use laws uh, for media. Uh, for example, I can't tour New Zealand. 
because they don't have parity laws in place. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we've never been in New Zealand, which is a pain because it's a market right next to Australia. Right next to you. Yeah. But that's in the process of changing. Like the UK only got parity laws four years ago. And have you guys done Europe? Or? We're looking at Europe at the moment. But okay. We kind of have to sit on our hands until this tour is finished. In Europe, you might it. have to make it more gratuitous. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, and Russell, you've had uh, experience in TV, film, but it seems that like your your real, real passion comes in, in like the live entertainment form. Um, and, my passion is storytelling and entertaining. Okay. Um, so whatever media I pick is for the project so Mm -hmm. my first love is film by far okay but it's a lot harder to get film projects up um, especially in Australia gotcha Um, I am attempting to make my first feature film next year Um, okay then we also what's what's the feature have do you can you talk about it yeah 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 like it's uh, called You Need Chaos and it's a um, it's a kind of adult orientated dance film okay about you know a girl who's addicted to opiates who ends up finding salvation through a warehouse party it's kind of like this warehouse as if Alexander McQueen put on a warehouse party you know interesting really okay. conceptual very cool just create amazing visuals yeah and I find dance films have kind of lost their impact these days they're all too clean and overly edited we just want to get back to basics and show dancers doing what they do really well very cool um <clears throat> So, yeah, I do that. I also have a um, company called Giant Panicking, which puts out books. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm working on my fourth book at the moment. Okay. Um, So it just depends what format and what I want to try and do with the story. And then I, you know, pick the best thing for that. But live entertainment is great because it's so immediate. Okay. And you never do the same thing twice. Like every show is different. Every audience is different. So, you know, if people say they've seen the show, I said, great. But if you come again, you're going to get a different show. Interesting. Like, the okay. beats are different. It's like seeing Pearl Jam. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time I've been uh, compared to Pearl Jam today. Oh, really? <laughs> no, there you kidding. go. <laughs> That's an all right comparison. Um, so then in specific, how did you get involved in burlesque? Um, <clears throat> this is a weird one. Um, <laughs> I was a teenager when I found burlesque probably about 15 okay and I was obsessed with anything old like so I was obsessed with silent films first okay and through Charlie Chaplin Buster Keaton and all that kind of stuff and then that kind of moved on before that I was actually obsessed with clowns and circuses and that moved to silent films and that moved into things like Bugs Berkeley and looking at old theatre and seeing a lot of those characters start on the vaudeville stage and from researching vaudeville I found out about things like um you know, folly shows and burlesque. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things I was really into was freak shows. My favorite okay. my favorite freak was a guy who suffered from a um, genetic disease called hypertrichosis. He was known as Jojo the Dogface Boy. Okay. And in my research in one of the books I said that he died as an MC in the Burlesque House. Okay. By House Burlesque. That wasn't actually true, but it kind of got me thinking, what is burlesque? And then I started kind of looking at it. Because we didn't have a burlesque culture in Australia, per se. We had a thing called the Tivoli circuit, which was a little bit different. Um, And then from there, I started researching classic burlesque. And I, before burlesque kind of really re-emerged into everything, I managed to create my own little museum out of okay. buying like vintage stockings of performers mm-hmm. fans and handwritten letters and all that kind of stuff from classic performers from the day and there was no real burlesque revival in Australia which was easily 
accessible for someone like me. Mm-hmm. Like um, there was a few queer kind of clubs or doing it and okay. whatnot, but they were very instantly had to be kind of part and, of the group. And do you think that's because, do you think there's still like a stigma to... No, it was just the timing. Like okay. this was at the beginning of the burlesque revival. Right, Like okay. it was happening in LA, New York and London and places like that. So I started really, after all that kind of theory work, I, um, well, I ended up moving to the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, for I won this award for um, creating a TV show and I won this young producer award where I went, worked in the UK and I found working for a TV station so boring Okay, and I was obsessed with the burlesque revival which mm-hmm. was happening in London, New York and LA and everyone had their own different style they weren't really talking too much mm-hmm. it's not like now where everyone's connected via social media and whatnot. so I went to London and it took me six months to kind of edge my way into um, the burlesque scene in London um, which is pretty much just the Whoopi Club and a whole bunch of other clubs were kind of satellite off that and that was amazing but it was quite hard because Australians in London don't have the best reputation Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, where uh, so it took a while because I was just over there by myself and I was just sending random emails saying I want to work at your club and it would have sounded so dodgy (laughs) coming from some random guy uh, but they end up going to the Edinburgh Festival. They asked me to join them for that. And then it kind of pivoted my whole life at that point and my creative stuff. And, then, yeah, I worked for them for probably six months also. And how old were you at this time? I was 20, I think. Okay. Um, so quite young still. Yeah. And then I had then I moved back to Australia. Well, I was only going to come back for a little while. I was going to go back to London. But I ended up hooking up with a few people I met in London who were Australian who came back. And we started a more of a vintage style uh, burlesque kind of company called Sugar Time. Okay. And we ran that for about two years, and we were kind of like the first ones to do a national tour. We were the first ones to do kind of like a festival. It wasn't a real festival because it was you know our, our show, but mm-hmm. we collected all the burlesque in the country, and for the first time brought them all together. Mm. We were the first ones to tour overseas burlesque artists like Angie Pontani and um, Amber Rose from New York. Um, so we we're doing a lot of firsts in the country. But we were also getting a bit fatigued by, you know, what the burlesque scene was becoming as more about, mm-hmm. you know, having a good photo and a clever name right. rather than actual the performance. Right. Okay. So I stepped back away from burlesque for a few years to focus on um, music and I managed bands and had a record label. Okay. And then um, I was doing... You had your head in everything. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Anything what's the good way to tell a story, whether yeah. it's music or whatever. So we ended up... Um, putting a pin in burlesque and I only did burlesque for the corporate market because they had the money and okay. they went crazy with it and, interesting um, yeah. you know I could do all these amazing shows and have the best dances and everything because I had the budget Right. I said well if I ever go back to burlesque I want to run it more like a theatre company and I want to really challenge it and take you know bring in rules so I ended up buying um, a theatre small theatre and I needed to put on shows there constantly to kind of get people in. Yeah. And I couldn't trust other people because they just weren't doing the quality I wanted. Mm-hmm. So we started doing burlesque again through this theatre. Also, we had musicians in there all the, all the time and whatnot. So we made a real hub. Um, and the burlesque kind of grew out of there and the new kind of format what we created, um, which we had a house troupe where I hired girls in... They had a very strong dance background mm-hmm. um, and they were all amazing performers. Like they could evoke characters and really elevate what was happening in Sydney at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
not to take anything away from the burlesque scene, but we just wanted to evolve it a little bit more into something what is the same thing. So I brought in rules like no calling for applause, no going through the motions of striptease of here comes the bra, here comes the thing. That okay. Um, no burlesque names because that just fuels, um, you know, the making it more about the performer. What, so what are burlesque names? Like? Well, you always get them like... Scarlet, Mimi Scarlet. Oh, okay, or, right, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, Dean Montes, you know. Yeah. Everyone kind of cares more about their name than their actual performance right. or stagecraft okay. or, you know, their technique. And we just wanted to focus on what's happening on stage. Okay. And we want to co- cohesiveness, cohesiveness through the actual show, so the show's actual journey, rather than, you know, burlesque mostly is just a collection of random acts. Mm-hmm. And you go in, that act might be good, that act might be bad. We didn't want that. We wanted all the acts to be good. So we had to take more control. And it took a while to kind of perfect and build and get it, you know, to the standard of what we knew. It took a lot of experimentation. Um, but that's how we kind of developed our style of burlesque, which is okay. more more kind of for the audience, I guess, like creating a unique experience for the audience um, so they can experience different types of burlesque, you know, not just the... not Because, you know, for a while they're people would constantly look at burlesque and go and see one or two shows and then they'll mm-hmm. tick it off their, you know, cultural thing They've to do list. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I've seen burlesque I and it's like, well, yeah. you know, you, have you? Seen, like, yeah. That's a big question. Like, do you go and see a band and say, oh, I've seen music. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> true, true. That's a good comparison. Very good. Um, so then, Asher and Emma, how did you guys get first involved in burlesque? Um, I was a sweet, innocent contemporary dancer, and okay. Russell found Name a picture Russell of me again. on the internet, <laughs> and he sent me a message. And apparently, I looked like Princess Leia. Okay. <laughs> no, you look like a Is girl it? from a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gone. Oh, she looks like this girl. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> okay. And yeah. were you open to it from the beginning, or did you need some no. convincing? Um, or? No, I was, I was pretty skeptical. It, was, it seemed really, um, seemed like a scam. I, mean, <laughs> I, I also don't provide a lot of information up front. I just okay. Go, hey. and then yeah, I just kind of, I just go, now. hey, you'll do this thing, and then if they come on board, they'll, they'll just have to learn to trust in, yeah. trust okay. in what I provide. Yeah, but, <laughs> okay. but you started as a contemporary dancer. Yeah, and I still am, and like that's kind of the role that I provide in the okay. show. Okay. Um, and uh, same with a few other girls as well. Um, but, yeah, it's it's literally opened up another whole world of performing and access to so many other facets of um, physical performance and physical art that you wouldn't have access to in any other performance form. Right. Okay. Yeah. And when we know you saw the show, but, yeah. and that's how you got first got involved. But did you reach out to Russell? Or no, I saw the show because I love theater. I love Star Wars. Okay. Um, and were you are you were already a dancer? Yes, I'm okay. a street dance trained traditionally. I grew up acting and then moved into dancing later, so I had a lot of catching up to do. Okay. So I was still studying at the time. I was 21, and um, this this was back when Russell was Chewbacca, and there was a man called Anthony playing Han Solo, who's a great actor. Okay. And then. I think Russell just didn't want to do the Chewbacca thing anymore. No, I just I found someone who was a better dancer than me mm. who could take over. Someone's I never wanted a better dancer than you. Yeah, I <laughs> never wanted to be. Um, I never wanted to be in the show. Okay, but um, I finally. Can you found dance s- yourself too? No. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, 
No, I dance in the sense of like I get a drink in at a uh, wedding right. kind of dance. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna wedding. Me too. Yeah, it okay. looks great at Chewbacca. It does look great at Chewbacca. It's just if you've got a big guy who's energetic, it right. can bring it to life. Of course. You know the costume does half the work for you. Right. You know, but um, and we were doing that, and that, the, when I was doing, it was more performing, like a lot of sight gags and the dance gags right. and stuff like that. When I brought uh, James, who's our current Chewbacca, and he kind of is part of a crew called Fly Crew okay. in Sydney. And Nevin was kind of, at that point, I think you were... I wasn't uh, in Fly Crew yet. Yeah, um, no, you were kind okay, of like a prospect. Yeah. Pros- prospect. I was a prospect. Uh, most of them taught me. So James Chewbacca used to teach me. He still teaches me. Okay. I'll teach him back a little bit. <laughs> um, but we knew each other well, and now we know each other very well, <laughs> thanks to Russell. But, um, it sounds a lot dodgy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Russell asked him to find a Han Solo, and he yeah. Well, he, he actually gave me a few options, and I picked you. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Because Neil wouldn't do it. No. <laughs> no. But at least you've got a good. All you need to do is give Russell a couple of drinks if you ever. Yeah. Mm. No, never knows. That's not a good idea. Say, no. There's nothing wrong with a good wedding. That's that's my style dance. too. Wedding wedding dancer. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm the guy at the wedding that ends up getting kicked out. I'm, oh, really? Yeah. I'm always I'm always the guy that ends up with the, this tie tied around his head. Tie head guy. Yeah, tie head guy. That's it. Um, one other thing I found really, really interesting when looking up the show was the Wookiee erotica. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool because it's almost like double parody. You've got yeah. the Star Wars parody and, and you've got the Playboy parody. Uh, where did tell me about how that idea first came up? Well, that, I actually had that idea before the show. The before the show, even yeah. Okay. So I started working on that idea of creating that, and then I put it on the back burner for a while because um, I don't know if you know remember that film Zach and Miri make a point. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that Star Wars parody in it. Right. I'm like, oh, everyone thinks we're gonna copy this. Right. Um, and then I saw it. I'm like. So then I put it back on the um, on the uh, chopping block, and then once we started uh, working on, it, I'm like, I'm doing all this work on this thing because I didn't have any Star Wars things at that point. Right. Okay. And so I'm making some of these costumes and coming up with those ideas. Why don't I just do a show about it? Okay. And, and then we did the show. So it took me about so a the, year the to do the show. Work actually, work. stemmed from the idea. From yeah, but also it did premiere before we had Walkie Runica. Before Rodica you released because, the... um, it took about a year to make Walkie Runica. Yeah. Because it was just me and my business partner, Craig, pretty much. (laughs) And it looks like, it looks very, like from what I've seen, I haven't actually seen, it looks super legit. Yeah, 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 we've sold a fair few copies of that. And people love Do you sell them at the shows? We sell them at the shows. I was going to say it goes hand in hand with the show. Totally. It it adds to the world what we create. Of course. We've done that with other shows as well. Like um, we had a Batman show and we have a Batman book. Oh, I saw the, I was going to ask if we had time. I saw the the Gotham. Gotham 1919. Really, really cool. Yeah. And that's more concepts. Yeah, I like taking on different concepts. I'm a big fan of print media. I'm a photographer myself too, so. But that's why we do a lot of the stuff. We do it so you we make a tangible item, so you can hold them in your hand. It's like when you get vinyl versus a thumbnail. Like you can see the thumbnail, go, that's cool artwork. But then when you (laughs) blow it up to vinyl standards, you're like, wow, you know, because you see all that detail. It's like in your face. So we like creating real real things where you can hold and turn it's an experience you know the right paper quality of course yeah right tone so yeah we cr- create a bunch of that kind of stuff uh, we're actually in the process of making Wookiee Erotica Volume 2 Volume 2 yeah so, so what's um, what do we have in store for issue number well, 2 well I was gonna set it in the 80s like okay. early 80s but 
I started looking at eighties Playboys and they lost all this. <laughs> they lost all their production design, like their art design. Okay. Their art design went out in like seventy nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we started was was so we're providing a lot more, but on a much larger scale. Okay. So very similar to the first one in the sense of tone and funness and whatnot, but this time around we're shooting with much bigger one-to-one props you know okay. like when I had nothing when I made the first, first one. one now you've got now I've got so much show. and I've got connections to make it quite and do you epic. use separate models or is it people from the show or no I tend not it... to use the people from the show that much okay. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I really want to be in one Okay. Just gonna, um, yeah. usually because yeah. you know so any I point to dig up any <laughs> uh, at any point I have to you know fire him like she right, doesn't okay. know this but after this interview she's gonna say oh okay so this is well, just, well, well you can be Princess Leia tonight yeah. <laughs> Nev you know, I'm still time. I'm doing, I, know, I know the moves I went to the gym this morning so I'm good to go yeah. <laughs> but you just dance around R2 you'll be fine Make it rain. as long as you don't mind if I tie it tie around like that yeah, to go. <laughs> well, that's what Michael Flatley did, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. He'd be able to pull off Michael Flatley. There we go. Yeah. The Irish heritage. The Irish, that's it. The river dance. Yeah. Uh, My first crush. Really? Michael, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I said she's not a bad person. It's not a bad first crush, to be honest, as you're a dancer. Yeah. Mine was Blondie. Like, oh, really? Debbie, uh, Debbie Harry. <laughs> Take it back. I don't even remember what mine was. My first one. I think mine was Shakira. Shakira, okay. Yeah. There's a different age gap between them. Uh, yeah, I'd have to think what my first one was. But my, uh, I was on another podcast recently that was all about being a teenager in high school, and they asked me who my high school one was, and it was, do you remember uh, the show Lost? Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. Angeline Lilly, who played Kate on yeah, Lost? Yep. That was my, my high school. She's currently the Wasp. She's Canadian, too. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's the Wasp yeah. now. Yeah, good, yeah. good jawline. There you go. Thank you. Um, okay, so now we've almost slightly transitioned into music, and that was the next thing I wanted to ask about. Because you guys in the show go beyond just the Star Wars score. There's, mm. you know, I've heard it's there's... It's very hard to dance to Star Wars music. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not even, like, remixes or whatever, but I've heard that there's, like, In Excess, Run DMC, Nine Inch Nails, and that. So how, how do you find that that works into the Star Wars theme? Works into, into the scenes and the characters. Okay. So certain characters have, you know, they're archetypes now, like Darth Vader, you know who that is. Um, so, yeah, we um, play with the songs will kind of represent the scene the best. Mm-hmm. We pick songs that have an emotional baggage already to them. So okay. when people are sitting in the audience, they don't waste any time trying to wonder what this song is. It's already a popular song, what they've already had years of investment right. emotionally in. Um, so when we want to start something moving we have a porter said song yeah if we want something upbeat and ready to rock and roll to wake everyone up it's Welcome to the Jungle by Guns right. N' Roses you know so stuff like that it is a jukebox and mm-hmm. we don't apologise for that we give people like the best experience they can have and part of that is amazing music, music. Yeah. yeah that's it um, so then that being said what makes for what do you guys think makes for a good burlesque song Brussels definitely changed my um, thought of that because sometimes hearing something, you know, being emailed to you or like listening to it through your headphones, thinking like, like this, how did, how is this going to get people hyped? Like, mm-hmm. what, what movement would go with this? And then hearing it through the massive sound system in a theatre and watching people go crazy and feeling like 
the energy of the song amplify in such a big setting is like yeah it's pretty mind-blowing yeah um and yeah like it makes you think outside the box in terms of what movement concepts you could do to it Mm -hmm. so i guess it's really tricky to like pick it from i don't know russell has the brain for it (laughs) yeah it's his, yeah. it's his special job. <laughs> it's yeah. my special job. <laughs> yeah, because the show is conceptual. It is, like, outside-of-the-box stuff because you, like, maybe he's picked music that I would move to and is a good dance tune, but because of the concept that he's put over the specific act, it gives it that extra level. Mm-hmm. So I do, like, a Michael Jackson song. And Michael Jackson, you hear it, you want to boogie, you want to do, like, the MJ moves. Right. But Russell has put that over the top of the specific Han Solo context and the scene and the characters and it's just I would I wouldn't think about that. I would just right. hear MJ and do a dance. Okay. So obviously we use smooth criminal for Han Solo. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And which I have to point out is quite topical at the moment with yeah, the right. stuff. Yes. So we're we're debating whether we're phasing that out or not. But um yeah we, we constantly choose like um Songs, well, yeah, can represent the characters the best. Okay. You know, like um, the NXS one, um, I Need You Tonight. I Need You Tonight, okay. That's for the Tonton, and that's Luke cutting it for the Tonton to sleep inside him because it's cold. Right, okay. So, you know, it's silly things like that, yeah. but they are a connection somehow. Like, um, you know, Princess Leia, the first one, it's like uh, Lana Del Rey. Okay. You know, like, I have to warn you a lot of these songs <laughs> from like four years ago when we created them, but they still kind of work, so yeah. we kind of run with it. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just a mixed bag. You know? Songs from four years ago are still good songs. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like when you put them on a gag, and I always yeah. thought, like, one of the gags in the show is. You see it coming from all away, but it still works. And I just kind of, I'm like, I didn't think this would work more than six months. And, and it's, still it's almost five years now. And it still gets the same reaction every time we do it. What's it's probably that? one of the things what people remember the most. It's not like Gangnam yeah. Style or something, is it? No, it's Riley Cyrus' Wrecking Ball. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and, you know, we parody Miley Cyrus just as much as... Okay. Uh, we do it at Star Wars with that song. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, I can't give it away because okay. it's one of those things where everyone kind of reacts to epically. And yeah. It's, it's a bit of a spoiler. But it's, um, it's just so ridiculous that that song and that gag is still working yeah. five years later. It's because Great. Nevin brings it to life. Oh, there you go. Mm. It is special. Okay. It's but in the music keep, group, keep uh, an eye out for Nevin in yeah. the Wrecking Ball. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you recognize him. Yeah. yeah cool. True. Or close your eyes. Up to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but lots of the music's changed too. Like heaps of the songs have been like refreshed um, throughout my time in the show. Okay. So some of it's like, yeah. yeah, some of it's we've done the same and some of it is brand new. Okay. This tour even. Yeah. And sometimes, like, especially when um, artists change uh, roles, like, sometimes, like, we do each other's solos or we change around um, and then the song has to change because that artist might not have the same skill set or not be able to bring right. that okay. version of hype, but they could bring another version of hype. Rat. And mm. so, yeah. It so it can be individual like, to the dancer too. Yeah. Mm. So, like, my yeah. act used to be, like, kind of, like, sexy rock and roll, but now it's kind of, like... Sexy Christina Aguilera, Latina girl. Okay. Very pop kind of right. You know, like, it's, um, it just depends. It, you know, if I think, feel like sometimes when I choose music, 
I hear the music and it's doing all the work and I, mm. I want the performer to try and keep up with the music and right. it's a hard task it's not all performers move that way and they're working as hard as they can but it might not be as hard as the music I think the first Princess Leia I did and this girl is an amazing twerker like I say twerking people go oh yeah checking the bump but I mean like this girl she's, she's like a circus yeah, performer with twerking <laughs> like, she can just stand there with her arms crossed and just make her chicks go crazy one at a time um, <laughs> she's it's amazing it's a skill set yeah. but no one yeah it's really hard for other people to do what she did naturally right. yeah. um, and she had no problem working to that music but it was a hard ask for her to do that every night right. she had to get into that state it's not mm-hmm. her if she's not in the mood to work that hard it's very hard to chase a song mm-hmm. and then after a while I said okay let's change the music and let them give them something a little bit slower they can amp up their performance to and not rely on the dance so much but rely more on the performance if that makes sense mm-hmm. so yeah it just, it just depends we, we solve problems through music like anything else okay um, and then just before we wrap up, a couple of quick questions, especially this is, I mean, this is a product that surrounds a, a fandom and we know Nevin was a big Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. but what else do you guys, do you guys consider yourselves a part of a fandom culture of any other type? You guys, you know, would you consider yourselves like I'm a big music nerd? Um, yep. Or I'm definitely <sighs> pop culture. Okay. <laughs> okay. Everything. Okay. So I, I watch almost every film. I've watched every TV show. Read comics. Listen to all heaps of music. Okay. So music is a really the, broad one. Like it's. Oh uh, yeah. I'm on. I'm on uh, the uh, internet every day. Really. Okay. Shit. Like, I just like having an opinion on everything. Okay. So I have to kind of consume. I'm. I'm an alpha consumer as far as. If you were at a comic con, what would get you really excited? Um, getting out of the comic book. Getting out of the comic book. <laughs> I don't really belong to a communities. Okay, I, no I'm communities. Purely, okay. I'm purely kind of... As this is the way I grew up. I was into all this stuff as a teenager, okay. a kid, but none of my friends were. Okay. I grew up in a very kind of surf community, so there wasn't right. too many people I could talk to about this stuff. So Interesting. It's very weird if I end, end up finding people I could talk to about this stuff. Um, well, that's usually what every... Mm-hmm. nerd and geek finds right yeah they come to our show and they're like my people yes right yeah. what about you guys anything I've always I'm massive on Pokemon Pokemon like okay day one Pokemon Red on like the oldest Game Boy so you must be pretty excited for the new movie the Pikachu movie well I was going to say like the, there's a lot of spin-off games spin-off bits and pieces and this yeah. movie has spun off a yeah. lot so I'm open to it but we'll see soon okay. I think in a, in a week or so that comes out okay. yeah Nevin wants to really get her mm. <laughs> yeah we've also it's got Game of Thrones night on the bus every oh, Sunday yeah? so we I just caught up yesterday so. yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all managed to fit on one bus for that first episode <laughs> very cool <laughs> very cool and Ash are you? Uh, Back in the day, like Sailor Moon. Okay. But I haven't watched TV for many years. So okay. Yeah. Ash is uh, Ash is more uh, environmentalist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so I, my other job is environmental education. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'm a fan of the environment, like leaves and sticks yeah. and, <laughs> and stuff. That's great. And last last question then, since we are here for Star Wars, everyone's favorite Star Wars movie. Well, here's the funny thing. Okay. I'm going to say something which people might not think it is, but my favourite is the two Ewok Tilly movies. <laughs> the uh, Caravan of Courage and... Um, and oh, what's the last one? I forget what the other one's called. But, um, yeah, those two Ewok movies. I don't know so not even part of the, the original series? 
No, it's because interesting. Okay. because I can't. Uh, Star Wars has always been there. Yeah. So I don't really have a favorite. It's just, okay. I treat them as one big thing. Right. Okay. But the Ewok movies—they're the things I could remember. I think okay. I watched them before I watched Star Wars. Interesting. And as a kid, they were my go-to thing because they're quite brutal. The second one is quite <laughs> brutal. Like you know, the first film you learn. You, have you the Ewok films? Caravan of Courage. Um, and the Battle of Endor. That's the it. Battle of Endor. And the first film is about this family would crash on this Endor, and their two children have to find the parents who got captured. And you learn the whole movie, you learn getting to know the kid, both like the brother and sister and the pet parents and whatnot. <clears throat> and then the second film, in the first two minutes, the brother and the parents get killed. <laughs> by Ewoks? No, by these uh, people who are trying to capture the Ewoks. Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's that. Yes, I like those because everyone bags them out, but they weren't that bad for a kids' film. Right, that's what okay. everyone forgets. That okay. uh, essentially, we're watching years. kids' films. Right. So, mm. and you guys? I was uh, number three. Uh, episode three. I was like the prime age. Um, like as episode in episode three, or like episode six. Episode three or episode three. One. Like Phantom. Yeah. Is that Phantom Menace? No, no. Um, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Sith. Yeah, I was the prime age for it. I had every right all the games, all the encyclopedias. Gotcha. Everything building up to it. I had the toys. I had everything. I think it was just where that time in my life that it came out. Right. I was that makes a big at, impact. Yeah, of course I was it does. Peak fandom then. Okay. Yeah. And I watched that. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Like okay. Nostalgia. But it's it's yeah. it's usually yeah. the the answer. That's that's yeah. That's the benchmark for most people. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, thank you guys very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Hope mm-hmm. you guys thank killed you. I'm looking forward to seeing it tonight. So, yeah. hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you. The Adamantium.